0: Hello everyone. I am back. Little glitch here. I forgot to charge my computer, so now I'm inside because I don't know where the plug is outside. Anyway, super excited to gu- to have you guys here today. I have an amazing speaker, and we're going to talk about sales. I love doing you know talking about this because without it, we don't have a business. So um, I'm Annette Naife, the CEO and creative director of Naife Productions. Welcome to a turn of events where we help put a positive spin on the future of your business. We specialize in corporate, social, nonprofit, and weddings. I also am a coach for event and wedding planners. We're going to be doing a live workshop on January 4th, 5th, and 6th. You must join. Go to my Facebook group, which is the Event Planner Society. Sign up. It's going to be so great. I'm going to talk about how to get clients, What do you do when you get the clients? How do you price yourself? And so, this sales call is coming in really at the right time. We're going to talk about ditch your sales baggage. So, it's I know people are scared. There's a lot of people in my work in my uh, Facebook group that are just starting their businesses and it is scary to do sales. So, we're going to talk about that. My guest is Annie Ruggles. She is amazing for a Over a decade, Annie has harnessed her Hulk like disdain for hard sales, tacky self promotion, and overly competitive sleaze balls as inspiration to help people find better ways to grow their small business. As founder of the Non Sleazy Sales Academy, she's guided hundreds of people toward making deeper connections, lasting impressions, and friendlier, more lucrative transactions and conversations. Her pride and joy is her podcast, which is too legitimate to quit. Insan- it instantly Account of uh, Actionable Small Business Strategies with a Pop Culture Spin. That is a mouthful. <laughs> Annie, welcome. Welcome. I'm so excited to have you. Bit of a mouthful. Yes. It I, is a mouthful. I know. It is a mouthful, but it's good. So again, I'm going to repeat that. Too Legit to Quit. Instantly Actionable Small Business Strategies with a Pop Culture Spin. Why you, yeah. So why don't you just say what that's about? So this little podcast right here,
1: uh, I am of the opinion that inspiration is everywhere and I can't turn that part of my brain off. I've been so steeped in marketing and branding and selling for so long that when I listen to something or when I watch something, or I'll, I'll just go, oh, so I see what they did there. And it's like, it's a cartoon, Annie. Calm right. down. But I thought, right. you know, so so much of what we're fed as small business owners is so dry uh, and that doesn't mean it doesn't have value, but rather than end, to, you know, add to more dry. I thought let's perk stuff up a bit and and yeah. see what we can glean from the movies, TV shows, artists, and more that we
0: already love. Yes, yes, and I love perking things up. I'm one of those girls, as anyone knows. That's what I'm about. So why don't you talk a little bit about like your background, how yeah. you know how you got into all of this, and what inspires you to, to for the sales piece of this.
1: So I never, ever, ever, ever ante- uh, anticipated teaching sales. Yes, ever, <laughs> never. Like if there, if time machines happen and I went back in time and told little me that yeah. I teach sales, I would just like lock myself in a closet and not come out. Right? Because right. I had no idea. But that is because every single piece of what uh, I thought selling was was incorrect. It was all based on how I had been sold to negatively and the just very public stigma, always reinforced, of what selling is. But I loved the shiny cousin of selling. I loved marketing. I loved positioning. I loved helping people put all of their glorious goodness and do-gooderness out on display. That felt wonderful. And so that was what I focused on for almost a decade, was really marketing, branding, and positioning for super small, dream-based, mission-driven businesses. And then, though, I started to look around, and I was like, these people are brilliant, driven, generous, incredible, dripping with ethics and integrity. Why are they so poor? Like, right. why is everyone struggling? I don't get it. And I looked, and I was like, wait a minute. I don't think any of them are actually asking people to pay them. Yeah. Oh, And then I took a harder look and a more embarrassing look at, and I found out the reason that they were doing that was because they were modeling this girl me and I thought oh so even then though even then I did not intend to teach sales but I thought I have to fall in love with sales for me right and then maybe I can teach my clients how to go that extra mile right once I Mm -hmm. fell in love with sales though oh that rabbit hole was deep and long and I just started loving it more and more and more and erasing so much of my own sales baggage redefining what selling is for me and then I thought you know what there's a lot of people in the marketing lane. There's a lot of people in the branding lane. My clients are in good hands over there. But at that point, I didn't know about the other competitors in my space in this place who are all incredible people. But I thought, oh, my gosh, I really got to double down on this because it's killing small businesses. Sales yeah. avoidance are killing dreams. And that has to stop. So that's how I got here. Yeah, was yeah. I had to be patient zero, client zero. I had to start with myself. But it's it's embarrassing. I didn't really understand the problem until I watched my client suffer. And that is just never going to be acceptable to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I teach, you know, I'm doing like I mentioned, I'm doing this workshop. And a lot of it is gonna, I'm gonna talk about, you know, once you get the client, what do you do? Yeah. And that whole sales piece. And I mean, I'll I'll probably share more about it as we talk about this, but uh-huh. honestly just being yourself, I noticed, is just being natural and yourself and not yes. trying to be that sleazy sales yes. person is really, you know, I don't even have to sell, to be honest. I just be myself, be mm-hmm. confident. Confidence is so key because when you're confident about what you're doing, you're they're going to feel confident that you can do the job for them, right? Yeah. So, That's super important. So let's talk about what's sales avoidance and how can someone overcome it?
1: Well, you use that word natural. Mm -hmm. And I love that because people have a very fixed idea of the traits of a natural salesperson. And most of them are not kind or good yeah right. Most of them are not kind or good, but the thing is that's that that feeling that builds up because of course if and I know that you have weddings and and all of these other you have healers and coaches and weddings and social and people that are helping other people feel and <laughs> important right that feels so awesome that then you go, wait a minute, hold on. Arm twisting, manipulating, lying, over-promising, under-delivering, blowing deadlines, having weird tacky gimmicks, all of that feels like a humongous energetic disconnect from what I have tried to create here, from the legacy I am building, from the nature of care that I am providing. And what happens is we carry that fear, we carry that cognitive disconnect Mm -hmm. onto calls with us, or onto selling situations with us and sales avoidance shows up to literally push the client away from you so that you do not have to feel like you're invading their bubble. And right. the way that shows up, I've listened to so many sales calls, Annette, my own, other people's good ones, bad ones. But one of the ways you know sales avoidance comes is in the form of what I call sales vomit, which is basically just word vomit, where when it comes time to say the price, where it comes time to talk about the benefits or the terms or do a product tour, or when it comes time to say, okay, are you ready to sign up today to close the freaking sale? We put in all of this extra verbiage to delay having to do it, right? Right. And a lot of the time what we do is, especially with money, we wind up negotiating down before we've given them a chance to even think, right? So let me show you what this looks like. Uh, We'll just use an example. My membership is 100 bucks a month, right? So we'll just use that as an example. So if I'm on the call with somebody and I'm in active sales avoidance, and I really, really like this person and I really, really wanna help them, it's so easy now that I know what I know, to go. And the cost for that is 100 bucks a month. And this is why I think it'd be a good investment for you. Okay? That's the easy one. But instead, what we do, we overcomplicate it with our own BS. And we <laughs> go... You know, and then it's it's a hundred bucks a month, and and I know that that's a, that that could be a lot, right? Some memberships are cheaper, some memberships are more, but like it's a hundred bucks a month, and, and I could tell you how I got to that math, like I could tell you how I got there, but like you know, and like maybe if you stop going to Starbucks, like maybe you could do this, but also like this is doing really well, and like maybe you could do it, and also like it's guaranteed, so if you don't like it, you know what? I'll give you two months on free trial, and then we can talk about this later. That sales avoidance, yeah, and yeah. I hear that so often. And really what it is, it's a sand trap at the end of a marathon that we voluntarily hurl ourselves into to keep from crossing that finish line. But the finish line and the ask that helps you cross that finish line can be a beautiful, empowering experience for both of you. Yeah. What sales avoidance is, is honoring the assumption that asking will be seen as a violation, and honoring that by backing away from actually providing service. Right, that's what sales avoidance is.
0: Right. So when you and that's the scariest part that a lot of people say, and this is what I teach: is you know when you're presenting your proposal and you come down to how much it's going to be, and for yeah. us. It can be a lot of money because events are expensive and yeah. there's time that goes into it. So our numbers are not a hundred dollars. Our numbers might be a hundred thousand dollars or yeah. right. So for somebody just starting out, you know, they're not obviously I try to teach them to price right and, you know, their value, know their value and all that stuff. Um, So you just have to like say the number again in confidence and then mm-hmm. just sort of like don't go through that whole spiel of you, if they feel you're nervous about it, they're going to be nervous about it. Right. So yeah. just like you said, it's don't go on to that whole big thing and you have to sort of just stop. And usually what I'll do is I'll say, cause I've gone through a whole big proposal and I've you know talked to them about the benefits. I resell it basically, like just kind of cool. talking about what we're, our value and what we're bringing and, you know they can see it by that point because I've already had a call, but I always right. get back on the call and and I don't just throw them a proposal. I get and talk about it with them, right? And so, which is so important, you can't just throw a proposal because now the second time around you have the chance to sort of resell again and give your value, yes. and get them get them to remember why they spoke to you in the first place. So
1: and what problem you're going to solve? Yourself, with them. Exactly. My definition of selling
0: is problem solving for money. Exactly. Get all the problems that you're going to solve for them. Exactly. Exactly. And I
1: don't care if you're a wedding planner, a cupcake baker, a fitness practitioner, a manicurist, I, an essayist. I don't care. Really, any job. You are a professional problem solver, and we solve problems and pay for those problems to be solved for us and with us. All the time. That's what life is. Try to convince me to take Tylenol without mentioning the words headache or pain. You cannot do it.
0: Right. Why would I
1: take this weird little ball of all of these chemicals that I can't even pronounce? Why would I take this with all the warnings on the bottle if you don't say, hey, by the way, if you take this, it'll make your headache go away.
0: Right. Right.
1: Right. So if we're firm in the problems we're solving... They can draw the line to the solutions that they need. Then all we have to do in that selling moment is say, can I solve a problem with and for this person? And do they really need that problem
0: solved? That's it. That's the whole thing. That's the whole caboodle. Right. Right. Exactly. And so, you know, also because our, you know, it can cost a lot of money to hire an event team. um, We try to give them options. Right. So if it sounds like, I mean, in the initial call with a client, I can kind of tell, I've done it so many times now, hundreds of times over the 30 Mm -hmm. years I've been doing this, um, is that I can tell what's a, if, if it's a good client or not. And that's something you have to learn how to have those conversations. Oh yeah, that's fire by fire. You learn what those red flags are on the field of battle. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so for me, it's, I can kind of, you know, sometimes I don't hit it you know, it just depends, but they might say, and most of the times people do have no idea what their budget is because, you know, of course, but then when you tell them it's a hundred thousand dollars, like, oh no, that's not my budget. So mm-hmm. it's, they all of a sudden know what their budget is, but I wanted to, talk <laughs> something. About, I wanted to mention something you mentioned about, mm-hmm. um, being truthful and stuff like that. Um. Yeah. When I I learned early on, when I first started, I was afraid to tell them like, no, it's going to take longer than three hours to set up your gigantic event. Come so on. I, you know, and a lot of planners do that. They will... Try to, um, over and yeah. you can't do that because it's going to mess up your reputation. If you get to an event and you can't set it up in three hours, it's a big mess. Mm-hmm. So I remember when the first times I said to this person, to this client, it's going to take you longer than three hours. You're going to need five hours. You're going to have to get more. Let me look at your contract. I did a little bit of work on the front end to try to get the event. It was a very big event and, um, so I knew I wanted it. So I thought, let me just look at your contract, see if we can get more time in that space. Blah blah blah. I gave them some advice, and they had five other people that they interviewed, and all of them were yesing them, and and yeah. that's not good, right? So you. No, really- that's not good, right? So I ended up getting the job, and I remember from that day I was never afraid again. To be honest about. What works, and of course, that takes time with doing events and knowing what works and what doesn't work. But at the end of the day, if you're not sure about something that could be a a jeopardy towards what your pricing is, um, then you need to check on it and be honest and just say, Let me check on that, let me get back to you, and things like that. So, I think I'm your own
1: worst boss, people. Most yeah. of us left jobs where we had terrible bosses.
0: Right, exactly. And one of those
1: things those terrible bosses did was they always expected us to deliver everything right. faster than possible and cheaper than possible, mm-hmm. and yet they still want to charge the client more. Exactly. If a boss did that to you, if a boss said three hours and you knew it should be five, you'd be like, "Oh my god, my boss is such a jerk. I can't <laughs> believe they're expecting me to make mountains out of like all of these molehills. Like I can't exactly. believe it."
0: Don't do to yourself Uh, y'all
1: as it makes you look
0: bad it makes you look bad exactly
1: and you said something so critical your reputation is on the line here now ideally if you're doing weddings maybe that person's only going to have one wedding right (laughs) but if you're doing maybe hopefully Mm. yeah but if you're doing corporate events Mm -hmm. if they have annual events right do we want them to hire you this year Right. We want them not even to look at your competitors next year because they were so dazzled by you last year. Why would they waste time looking elsewhere? That will not, cannot, will not occur if you overpromise year one yeah. or because either you're going to let them down and they're going to be annoyed and they're not going to hire you back or let's say that they do. Let's say that you move heaven and freaking earth, and you wind up setting a five-hour setup in three hours. Right. That's what you have done. Yes. You have now
0: committed yourself to an annual miracle. Exactly, which is impossible. And that's with sales, too. That's with your wow. pricing as well. Yes. If you give these great big discounts, oh. even if you tell them, and this happened to me in the beginning, even if you tell them that... This is the first time I'm working with you. I'm giving you a great discount. You know, so ne- you know, it's going to be di- whatever the wording is. Um- it much better than that. But if you, pr- if you say that, trust me, they're going to expect it again. So don't, yeah. you know, you can give a little discounts here and there, but oh, that's God. all part of that sales piece that you need to think about. And so one of the things that um, is important is no like, and trust. I'm sure many, right. many people have heard about that. What's the final and most important piece of no like, and trust? They got to know you.
1: They got to like you. They got to trust you. And they have to be asked to invest in you. Right, I call it taking a dollar out of a jerk's pocket, and here's (laughs) why. If I don't ask for the sale, my prospect will not just voluntarily chuck money at me. Right. Maybe one time out of a hundred, but certainly not enough for a sustainable business. Certainly not, right? right? However, if I go the extra mile and ask, asking opens the door to serving. Door stays closed, I can't serve, or door stays closed and I bombard them with service over delivering. I martyr myself by over-marketing and then I become resentful of the people I want to help because I never actually open the door and ask for anything in exchange.
0: Right. Do not right. do
1: freaking not
0: do that. <laughs> right.
1: But if I don't ask them, they are going to find the nearest loudest shiniest competitor who does have a buy button. And they're gonna go click that thing because they still need a problem solved. Now, here's the thing. A lot of us have really great competitors. I'm friends with all of my competitors. They yeah, me too. It. But me too. I also know that in the sales space, there's a whole lot of people that are gonna teach you a whole lot of sleazy junk, which is why the non-sleazy sales academy exists. <laughs> yeah. if I don't ask them for money before the sleeves bags do. Not only am I not helping that client, I'm creating more sleeves bags in this world.
0: Right. And that
1: is because I'm protecting myself from rejection. Oh, no. It's not about (laughs) you. And here's the thing. I'm being really kind of, for lack of a better term, bitchy about this. Please don't feel judged by this, listeners. It's really because I did it myself. I mock because I love because I did it myself. But if we don't assert for ourselves, it's not a victimless crime. We hurt our own businesses almost to the point of extinction. And we hurt the clients by surrendering them to people with less integrity than we have. Yeah, yeah. No, we just have to ask. We just have to say, hey, listen, you and I have a good thing going and it can be even better. This is the way that I can serve you next. How does that land on you? I can offer you more, I can offer you less, but I really wanna solve this problem together. What do you say?
0: Yeah, and you have to talk about what you do.
1: So I, oh, yeah. They
0: have to know what you do. So here's an example of that. Um, you know, many many years in the business, I market a lot. I'm all over social media. A lot of people mm-hmm. know who I am. And um, I, when COVID hit, you know, I've done virtual events along the way. We've done mm-hmm. many live events with a virtual aspect to it. And um, I just assumed, which even with all my experience, I did the same thing. I assumed that people knew I was gonna, I was gonna be doing virtual events because right. everybody was doing virtual events. And I, I saw a friend post something, and he was helping other business owners and talking about their businesses. And I wrote something about and um, Nave Productions doing virtual. He goes, oh, I didn't know you were doing virtual. And boom, right there, I changed it up. And I started marketing that I was yeah. doing. I just started talking about it. So I learned a big lesson myself. And I teach it. I it's like, you know, you don't do it for yourself. It's always so crazy. But I realized that I had to even though people know what I do, there was that specific piece because we were all in just this COVID fog, which we're mm-hmm. kind of still there. But-, <laughs> anyway, yeah. but it's a little different. So I just started marketing and and I took, I called all my clients and I started telling them that we, you know, we're doing virtual. Um, You can, you know, we can move your events virtual now. And we did many of those and um, it worked out. So it just was, I got, I was like, I was paying attention to what was going on. And I was happy that I talked about it because, and then we just went and said, if you just need a consult, happy to consult with you. Of yeah. course, everybody. You know, just to give you some advice, and everybody ended up hiring us because they had to it. realize. Because I guarantee
1: you, on that consult, you didn't just talk at them; you helped them solve a problem. Totally, we the gave the problem them, on right. the call. That's how we make that money, right? Because what right. we were talking about before, they get on a the call, they're like, "Dang, she knows her stuff."
0: Right? They were and like, "Oh we didn't that. realize." Yeah, they were like, "We didn't realize." What's involved and the technology, and you know, we, they had no clue. And of course, you no. know, it, it was nice to help, but um, but, but that's solve, how it
1: is. the second a problem gets solved, inertia has been overcome, and momentum becomes possible. And right. that is that's like oxygen, right. that's so addicting. We move one barrier, we start to pick up that speed, that momentum, trust returns, hope right. returns right energy starts to flood back and that's if we solve one problem oh well had you considered doing this
0: yeah
1: right the gates are open that's why one of the things i'm so glad you brought up consultations anybody out there doing consults take this free advice all the way to the bank figure out what problem you're going to solve on that consultation don't just talk at them Find a micro problem, tell them ahead of time you're going to solve it together, solve it on the call, and then you set yourself up for the easiest sale imaginable. Because we just say, We solved that problem. What's next? Right. Okay. In order to do that together, this is what I can offer you. Want right. to keep going?
0: Done. Yeah. Done. Right. Seamless. Yeah. It's so, it is kind of easy. It's crazy. But if you like I said in the beginning, if you're just yourself and obviously it takes, you know, you, you know what you're doing, um, you know, it's just it's just not being nervous about talking about it. And a lot of people don't like to brag about what they do, but it's not really bragging, it's the service. They need your service. So talk about what it is that they need that you can solve, right? Get
1: them excited about what's possible
0: for them. Yep. Yeah. That's so funny because I can tell when I'm on a call and I'm, you know, consulting or talking and they've called Mm -hmm. us and reached out and we start talking. And of course I get excited because Mm -hmm. events is my life and I love talking about events. I start to get excited about their event. They see that and it gets them excited. It's such a easy thing. Like if you were just on the call and we're like, yeah, you know, we can help with this. And that's not there don't, you got to be excited. excited. It's got to be that sort of thing.
1: If I went to a restaurant and they said, hi, Annie, would you like to know the specials? And I said, yes, I would like to know the specials. And they said, today we have chicken and yeah, I know. sprouts and it's really, <laughs> like, would I buy that? No. But here's yeah. the thing. When I'm bragging, I'm bragging on my clients wins. Yeah. When I'm bragging, I'm bragging on, I sell little, I sell, I send little bells to all my clients that say I just made a non-sleazy sale and oh, we visualize celebrating hardcore. When I brag, I'm celebrating every time these bells ring all around the world, right? right so right. if I'm showing up and they're, they're saying to me, hey, Annie, tell me about the kind of results your clients get. Yeah, sure. If I really let myself get in my own head about it, I could be like, well, I don't wanna brag. No, I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on them. And I'm doing it to show the client what is possible, the prospect, what is possible for them, right? So I'll get on and I'll be like, my client Laura has almost doubled her income this year because she started asking routinely. That's true. Yeah. Do I have yeah. a hand in that? Yes. Would that have happened if she wasn't in my program? Yes. Am I bragging on me? Heck no, I'm bragging on Laura. She's the one who did the work.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I exactly. gave her
1: the methodology, but she actually did it. A lot of people would come into my program and not do a darn thing. Well, that's
0: the thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I, if somebody is not serious about wanting to do the work to get their business off the ground and put the work in, I don't want to work with them because it's, it's no fun for me. I mean, I, I'm there to help them succeed. So why would I want to put all these hours into, I don't, you know, the money th- It's not about the money for me, it's about seeing them succeed, you know, <laughs> of course we all have to make money, but I really love them when they start to get clients and they're doing all the things that I taught them to do yeah. and, the and all that stuff. It's so exciting to me. I love it. It's such a great thing. And if, you know, if I could do it for free. So, all right, let's move out. I probably, you know, I could talk for hours. I can tell. <laughs> all right. So, so what do small businesses tend to do when they have positioned themselves incorrectly? Over market and under ask. Okay, so talk a little bit about what happens when you overmarket. Shout
1: into the void, shout into the void, shout into the void. Content engine, right? We put ourselves in this hamster wheel. Now remember, I love marketing. I love marketing. I love social. I love branding. I love all of it. I think it's all awesome. It's all awesome unless you go into that sand trap at the end of the marathon and by refusing to sell because then that invalidates all of the money, all of the energy, and all of the time you've spent marketing. Marketing is supposed to be a baton that hands okay. off to selling, right? All the brand new, brand awareness in the world is not going to make your business flush unless right. you have something that people can pay for, and they know how to pay for it, and they know why they should, right? right? So where we go wrong is we just go, I am going to be a known expert on this thing, And I'm not going to have anything they can buy. And I'm going to put up hurdles before they can pay me. (laughs) Right. So we're going to go, we're going to go on a live, you know, we're going to do our reels every single day. And people are going to go, Oh, Annette, I love your reels. Thank you so much for doing your podcast live. It's just amazing. And then you go, Oh, um, by the way, I'm sort of kind of doing uh, virtual events. Yeah. What? What? Right. That invalidates all of the beautiful shiny that you have accumulated. And it is an unbelievable drain of tangible things like money and time, but also intangible things like the feeling of your own legitimacy. Because if you're putting out, 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 sure, you might be getting a little dopamine hits, the likes, the shares. And that feels good in that moment. But then you have to look at your money in and money out and say, well, dang. I spent all this money on my Canva account to make all these pretties and I have <laughs> no way to pay for that.
0: We love Canva.
1: I mean, hey Canva. I love I it. My it got to but- Canva.
0: You're not using Canva, right. C E N V A. You've got to. It's so you got,
1: good. To. but you know, then you got a team you can't pay, right? Whatever it may be. And right. so when we position ourselves wrong, we have a tendency to be want to be the shiniest person in the room. Being the shiniest person in the room has value. But being the person boots on the ground, the provider that people trust, is an infinitely different, better, and more efficient model. Right,
0: right. So true. So true. So 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 how does someone love
1: sales? How do you learn to love sales? Fall madly in love with the problems you solve. I'm going to sound like a broken record on this. You are a professional problem solver. You are a superhero of mundane things. Maybe not so mundane. Having someone have an incredible wedding, a beautiful conference, that is not mundane, right? Helping someone heal their life, heal their health, whatever it may be, that is not mundane. But sometimes we are superheroes of the mundane. I can't figure out how this tech piece talks to this tech piece. Okay, well, have you done this? Oh, right? (laughs) But if we go, well, all I did was help. Website A, talk to website B. We're devaluing our own work. We're not seeing the pain that the client was experiencing. So fall madly, passionately in love with the problems that you solve. And the other thing is, remember, if you're trying to fall madly in love with sales, your current definition of sales, I bet you 99.99999% is flawed. I bet you it's based on times that you were forced to sell something that you didn't want to sell. by someone else's standards, maybe even as a kid, if you had to go door to door and sell wrapping paper, right? Or it was uh, cobbled together examples of times that you were sold too badly. Of course, you don't want to do all that stuff, right? But if you want to fall in love with sales, fall in love with the art of asking, fall in love with the win-win and the problems that you solve. And then remember that none of that other nastiness is required, but asking is. The lying, the arm twisting, the over-delivering, all of that junk, none of that is truly in the handbook of how you're going to get ahead. But you cannot survive as a business if you're not willing to say, here's the
0: dotted line. Right. And you need to be passionate about what you're doing. Yes. If you hate doing events, You hate, you know, find, if you don't like weddings, don't be a wedding planner. get another job. I mean, that's the
1: beautiful thing about this day and age. You can literally find a job to do anything.
0: Yeah. I just recently, we, we did several weddings this year. And one of, God bless her, a designer that we used has been in the business for many, many, many years. And I could tell it was time. Just miserable, and you know it's a hard time right now for the event industry uh, like. with COVID and the changes and the renegotiations. And I mean, it's just the pay- the clients are you know panicking, and everybody uh, they are it's a mess. So it's just a very stressful time in this industry, and I feel yeah. bad for anybody coming in. But you're learning. You know, I started my business when the economy crashed in yes. 2008. So. It was like the worst time. And I thought, well, there's no event planners at companies right now. So they're going to need and it's going to, you know, they're always going to do events. So, you know, it worked out. But well, uh, those are this starting is t- out right now yeah. are paddle born and yeah. they're
1: doing it all trial by fire. And they are going to have advantages over the rest of us who have been doing yeah. it, do it for years because they have to build it in a different world. So, you know, if you're just starting out, don't be scared. Yeah, welcome to the roller coaster. It's everybody tough. has to start,
0: but and the best advice—the you know, best advice I can get if you give if you're starting out and not because I am one—is to get a coach. Oh. Okay. That's the best advice because I got one and helped me. I knew how to do events. I didn't know how to price. I didn't know how to talk to the client. I didn't know what my forms should look like. I didn't know any of the systems that I should have yes. and even how to get the business set up and any of that, um, which I teach in my program. But it was, it was a nightmare when I started. There was nobody out there doing it. So Entrepreneurship sure is
1: the art of failing in public. What's that? Say that again. Entrepreneurship is the art of failing in public. Oh, for sure. That being said, you do not have to do every single thing alone. And there are people that can help you avoid costly mistakes and a coach, an advisor, a consultant, a mentor, somebody like that can help you make the mistakes that are important and avoid
0: the ones that are not. I say that. That's funny that you say that because it's in my marketing that we, you know, I don't want you to spend a lot of money. Like I don't want you to make those costly mistakes because you don't have to, you don't have to have a, you know, a fancy website when you first start, you don't have yeah. to. So, yeah. um, so what is, is empathy or blessing, um, uh, a blessing or a curse in sales? It's both. Okay.
1: In that, if you look at all these like Grant Cardone books and all of like, the sales books, which are great, <laughs> yeah. um, they're actually telling people that they have to go out and learn empathy. So that they can talk to pain points and solve problems and do all these things that we're talking about, which is hysterical because most of the people I know are drowning in empathy and are like, wait, you have to learn this, what, whatever. But that's important, right? Connecting with the other person on the other end of the transaction and seeing them as a human and not a wallet is very, very, very important. And also being able to honor people's lives, secrets, uh, vulnerabilities with grace, that requires a lot of empathy in that It is paramount. It is the best possible thing you can show. However, the curse comes in when you take a natural empath and you let them sponge up all of the emotions on the call, because then they can't tell where they stop and the client starts. And then, like we talked about at the very beginning of the call, if they have weird stuff about the price point or the problems that they solve, if they feel weird about asking, then when the client objects or asks a question, they're going to spiral because they're going to go, see, I told you the client was uncomfortable. I told you the client was uncomfortable. No, no, babe. The client's not uncomfortable. You're uncomfortable. Right. You're projecting on the client. Right. Right? So it's really great for galvanizing the bond, but it can be messy if you let your sales avoidance creep into the conversation and fuel empathy or fueled by empathy to pull back.
0: Right. 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 So So how do we
1: keep that in check? We keep that in check by remembering that you are there for them and that your goal on the call is to do right by them. Keep right. it about them. Don't make it about you. And if you start feeling hesitant or negative emotions, I'm not saying charge through, close the deal, and make it happen. But I do want you to just ask yourself very quickly, am I making this about me? Or is this another way that I learned this from one of my own coaches is, is this emotion mine? Right. Because sometimes it is. And if that emotion is mine, that emotion needs to sit out until it's time for me to work on me again. But in mm-hmm. that selling situation, I need to let myself slip so that I'm with them.
0: Yeah. And one thing you're reminding me of the, that I used to get really nervous about was mm-hmm. if there was a change in a price of something along the way, I would be nervous to tell them I would be, you know, listen, it's not again, it's not about me. That price is what the price is. Yeah. You're the you're the one letting them know that this is what it's going to cost. And mm-hmm. if that doesn't work for your budget, then let's find another way to make it work. Let's find it. Yep. Let's do it a different way. Let's not order those expensive linens. Let's order, you know, something else. But you're still going to make it look beautiful. And so mm-hmm. it's it's definitely it's definitely a challenge when it comes to stuff like that. Um, your
1: budget as a provider, also your own spending is another area where we go, well, I wouldn't pay that. So why would they? Uh-uh. Yeah. Your spending habits and what you allocate towards solving problems is not the same as your clients. And we cannot make that assumption. We right. cannot, cannot. Cannot assume that their financial life resembles ours.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing. It's, it's. I know, you know, as you get into, if you're doing them a long time and doing events, the bigger numbers make, they don't mean it. Like, you know, millions of dollars, we've put events together. It, you know, you, you got, we got used to doing, saying a million, that's going to be a million two, or that's going to be a million five. Yeah. So you get used to that. But I, you know, it is scary in the beginning. I know, because oh, I was Yeah. So is sales manipulative tip? Manipulative.
1: Absolutely. You know what else is manipulative? Every movie, every book, every song, every TV show you have ever loved. (laughs) What is it? What do I mean by that? I mean that you're signing up to feel something and dang it, that thing is going to deliver that emotion and you are going to be changed by the end of it. Meaning you've reduced your stress by laughing. You've learned something about yourself. You've gotten some escapism on, right? The difference is manipulation with consent. If you are in a selling situation with me, you want change. And I have earned the right to push and prod you with integrity, but you're going to feel stuff, good and bad. Right. On that call, you're going to go, you know what? I'm really embarrassed about my sales avoidance. Annie, you're right. But I'm excited about the possibility of what's possible. I can't get you to buy from me if I can't get you to feel. And in order to get you to feel, I kind of got to manipulate you a bit. But what I'm not doing is tear down to build back up selling. that, you idiot. I can't believe you're doing this. Oh, my God. How horrible for you. That's nasty. Right. That's negative. And that's without consent. But right. if I can go look. This might sting a little, and please know I'm not judging you, but could you tell me how many asks you've made this month? And they go, literally none. I know. Isn't that stupid? And I go, okay, well, hold on. What if you made five asks this month? How would that feel? That would feel scary. Okay, cool. Let them feel that fear. Here's where I come in. I make the scary part go away. Right. It's understandable that you would be scared about asking. You don't have me. <laughs> if they don't experience those fears, right? then they cannot understand the value of working with me so is selling manipulative heck yes but is it toxically so not if you do it with consent and permission if you know that you're going to make somebody feel something icky just ask them first and say you know this might sting a bit but i really want to ask it because i want to make sure that i'm the right fit for you could you tell me more about this and then we could talk about something positive right
0: right right
1: you know, my husband just watched Seinfeld all the way through for the first time. Every single wow. episode manipulated him because every single episode made him crack up.
0: Yeah, it's so funny. I know. I have it on the background when I'm working sometimes because yeah. it's so funny. Okay, so we're coming up on the hour. I, this is so fun, and I just love you to pieces. So, But my last question is, and we've talked about this, and I know I look in so many Facebook groups of other planners, there's lots of groups out there and they're always like, so the client wants to design this 5,000 square foot warehouse and she has $500, is this okay? I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. So I am like begging them to please charge what your value is. And so my last question to you is what advice do you have for those who struggle to charge their labors of love?
1: I wish that money was not the currency of this planet ooh, 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 I would love it for the barter system to come back, but I can't pay my mortgage in goats. <laughs> exactly. Right? I mean, any more than, than wedding planners can get paid in pieces of stale cake. Like, it's, yeah. we can't do it, y'all. Yeah. And so what we're saying is we're not saying that you need to receive an inordinate amount. But we're just saying you need to receive and include yourself in your success at all right? So it's okay if you want to incrementally raise your prices. You don't have to go from $0 to $7,000. You can step it up, right? Right. But if you look at the fact that if you aren't charging what you're worth, you're devaluing yourself and shooting yourself in the foot, eventually that's going to lead to burnout, that's going to lead to pain, that's going to lead to resentment, and it might lead to the end of your business. So how do you fall in love with charging honor the fact that you have needs, and think of the people that you love to pay. The people that take care of your family, your pets, your favorite chef, whatever it may be, the subscriptions you pay for, you pay for those things for a reason and you feel joy when you do. Why couldn't and why shouldn't you be someone that they love to pay? Open yourself up to the possibility of being someone's favorite provider and see where that energy takes you.
0: So good. Such great advice. Thank you so much. How can everyone find you?
1: Listen, if you are in an active education space and you just want to chew up a whole bunch of sales education, head on over to my website, AnniePRuggles.com. You will find webinars and quizzes and all kinds of funnels and everything you could possibly want. But... But, 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 but if you are in active sales avoidance, do not pass go, do not collect $200, do not go to my website. What I want you to do instead is I want you to reach out to me directly on a platform with messaging. The best two for me are Instagram, where I'm at Anniepreneur or LinkedIn, where you can just search for my name. Let me know what you're up against. Let me know what's worrying you about your next selling situation. I would love to offer you some flash coaching in that moment. I would love to give, I would love to have the opportunity to show you how lovely selling can be so you can prove yourself to yourself. And then we can go
0: from there. Exactly, I love it. Thank you so much, my dear. It's been so fun spending time with you. You're just a ball of fire like myself because I'm. Well, it's like those band derivatives, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. I hope you guys got some great information here. Join us next week. I think I'm going to have one next week. I had to check with my team, but if I don't see you guys, have a wonderful holiday. See you in the new year. And if you want to get on my uh, workshop that's coming January 4th to the 6th, please come to Event Planner Society, the Facebook group, Event Planner Society, and we're going to get you signed up. We're just starting to get it all ramped up now. It's going to be a lot, a lot of great information and I hope to see you there. Bye, everyone. Have a fantastic day. Take care.